the other biggest thing for me is connection. So what I mean by that is interaction and feedback, treating your subscribers as not data points. So a lot of companies are missing out on that opportunity. So they're going, all right, this is a data point. This is a sale. This is a lead. But it's it's not. It's more than that. There, it's a human connection that you can make. And as we move into an era, and I believe we're already in an era of privacy, but as we really accelerate through an, an era of privacy, I think it's incredibly important that we get back that human connection in marketing. You know, treat people with care, treat them with respect, and you know, you'll be rewarded. Everybody wants to have an authentic relationship with a brand, not just to feel like a, a number. This week on Inboxing, Simon Harper, freelance e-commerce and WordPress designer, MailChimp partner, technical SEO geek at SRH Design. Welcome back to another episode of Inboxing. Inboxing is now running in its third season. I'm your host, Hillel Berg, and in case you didn't know, Inboxing is all about email. Uh, we love email marketing, and that's most, almost every guest that comes on the show, that's the only thing they do. They write copy for email. And our guest today has been of a journey till he got into the email space. And he's still doing a lot related to email, but not exactly email, but he, he does great work in email, and that's why he's here today. Um, and his name is Simon Harper. Um, his company is SRH Design, based in Ireland. I don't want to say a city because I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, let him just get it. You know, I'll just add him in, I'll add him in and, um, and we'll get started. Good morning. Good morning, Simon Harper. Nice to see you. Northern Ireland. It's, it's complicated, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's not a country. It's a state, but it's my wee country. And um, I live in Bangor, so it's about um, 20 minutes outside our capital, uh, Belfast. Okay. Interesting. Is it still politically complicated Northern Ireland? Oh, yes. Incredibly. <laughs> um, we've got stuff going on at the minute with Brexit and one of our parties isn't sitting at the minute, which is stopping our government from sitting. But hey, it's it's the joys of Northern Ireland. All right. Yeah, we didn't come here to talk politics. But <laughs> 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 it's just interesting. All right. So, you know, why don't we jump into the first question, which is really just, you know, who are you? Where'd you come from? And how'd you end up here? Yeah. Um, well, I started my own business uh, 14, 15 years ago in um, two, April 2009 uh, during the world financial crisis. So it was a bit crazy. Um, but that uh, global recession twice and a pandemic, and I'm still going. So uh, it's pretty good. Um, I started out with WordPress design and um WooCommerce, I even did graphic design for a long time in print design and slowly started moving elements out and uh, started to focus just on on e-commerce uh, and WordPress and uh, some technical SEO thrown in there as well. I then started expanding out into email marketing uh, and this happened, gosh, maybe 10 years ago. Basically, I was using email marketing for myself and was like, hey, this is cool. This works. I could, I, I could do this as a job. And um, I've been doing it ever since and growing it. Now, I, I do have sp specific niches within it with regards to sort of e-commerce and strategy and deliverability. Um, and then last year, I became known as the privacy guy because I was very honored and blessed. Parcel actually at um, Unpacked recently mentioned me as my, con my contributions to the email community and what I had done with iOS 15 when it first came out and, and its impact on email marketing and how we manage it and how we respect people's privacy. I'm a big advocate for that, which is really funny because in e-commerce, it's all about data, but um, data that's required um, legally and ethically. I'm very much for that. Uh, so yeah, it's been a journey and it's always up and down. Uh, the joys of running your own business. Um, it looks like it's up now, but as you know, this background was not my chosen background. <laughs> not my grand piano and my, my house at all. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my journey is now. So it's almost like 60-40. So 40% of my daily work uh, at the minute is email marketing, sometimes more, but that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Nice, nice. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know if everyone's aware about all this, you know, privacy and, and the Apple Pixel. And can you explain just, I mean, I, obviously I know what it is, but I just want everyone else to understand what we're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, we're almost 
a year um, after the initial betas of iOS 15 were based. The, the very simple process is that Apple basically uses a privacy relay and a proxy to automatically open your emails within the Apple Mail app and um, block the tracking pixels, break dynamic content, and uh, protect your privacy so it's, it stops the click tracking. And um, there, it's it's been good, let's say, I think, overall for, for email marketing, and it, it's woken us up. Um, and there's been technologies being developed already, which has been fantastic, which has allows us to detect who is using Apple MPP and even between bot MPP and human MPP open so that we can personalize and segment and market to people who aren't using those and then respect those who are using it. Um, and it's just, it's been a year almost now as well, as I said, since the beta, but it's been almost a year probably. Um, it's about ten, eight months since we've had it um, in stable. And there hasn't been too many iterations since. So we're at a, a period of normalization where it still has a massive impact, but everything's kind of leveled off and, and steadied. Right. You mentioned sort of like it breaks dynamic content. I didn't even realize that part of it. I just thought it was about, you know, inflating open numbers and we really don't really have any idea. Yeah. Um, a, a, a fun one is countdown timers. So it, it will break countdown timers because the, um, it will open the email at a different time from you and it's pre-opened. So the timer gets stuck and broken. And basically, depending on whenever you open the email, you, the timer could have expired. Um, or there could be some time left, but it's the, it's an accurate amount of time. Um, I did a whole newsletter test series on it. It was fun. Um, seeing like, does, does this actually happen? And, and it does. So it's not, um, countdown timers are never great in my opinion, but they, they, they don't work with Apple MPP at all, so don't use them. That's so interesting. I mean, I, recently I had a conversation with um, like Kickbox, you know, Litmus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was saying their tools and everything, and it never ever came up that it will not work. And, and usually the thinking goes for email marketers like, yeah, like Apple's always like, everything works in an Apple device. You know, it's not Outlook, it's the opposite. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, put your, you know, put your JavaScript in there even, you know, it'll run, it'll be great, you know, so it's interesting to hear, like, even uh, something relatively simple, which is like a dynamic GIF, will break <laughs> in an Apple device. I didn't yeah, think it's, about that. it's fun, but um, it's good as making us better marketers. Right, right, no, for sure. I mean, it really bothered me about Apple tracking and, you know, I'll leave the ESP nameless, but there was a while where they were just discounting all Apple opens. And then obviously everyone was upset because it looked like they're getting like very, very low open rates. Yeah. And then they would just put it all back. <laughs> but but then, then I my answer is like, why can't you just make an average? Like if 6% of the overall or 10% of everyone open that isn't an Apple device, assume 10% of the Apple device is open. <laughs> you know, and then um, average open rate is somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, the there's other ESPs that went the other way and just didn't do anything and can't detect Apple opens at all and just, yeah, that that's even more useless. But anyway, that's another aside. But as you say, that's whenever <laughs> possible averages and things come in. I think, as I said before, we're at a, a level of normalization because I think um, I was checking the data with uh, Litmus and I think we're at 93% adoption rate of MPP within Apple users. So, I mean, it used to be a variable. So, um, but with 93% of Apple users using MPP, it's it's safe to assume that you know open rates are where they are. So yes, they're inflated, but they're they're more accurate now than what they were eight months ago. Yeah, and they're also educating people. You know, like they built, they made a commercial right with an actor. Yes, name. they did a UK version as well, um, and the, it was about privacy in general. And the very first thing they mentioned was email before ads, before anything. Um, <laughs> They mentioned email and um, our tracking pixels. Uh, now, there's people that turn off tracking pixels altogether because they're maybe not needed. I think tracking pixels are needed for various good ethical reasons, but um, there, uh, there's certainly there's big email marketers who have turned them off altogether, and and they're doing fine, and and that's okay. You just need to know right. how. It's hard to know and with your um, your subscribers if they're engaged or not, if you have no tracking involved. So um, that's the thing. The, the only thing you can really do is inbox replies or maybe you've got a lead somewhere off to a website and they you, the only way they've got it is via the email, that type of thing. But it gets 
it gets harder. Right. Yeah. I remember when I had Andrew Bonar was on my show, um, mm-hmm. talking about almost two years ago. Like when I asked him the next question, which is, what do you find most upsetting about the inbox or in the inbox? He was like, no one's going to like this answer. But then he went on for about 10 minutes about how tracking and the pixel is way too much and there's no privacy and he doesn't open images and doesn't open anything. So well, yeah, I mean, interesting stuff. For me, it's it's not tracking pixels. Um, it, it, <laughs> for me, it's something that happened four times this morning between my walk from leaving my son off to school to getting back here for this live chat. And it was cold spam emails. Now, there is an art to cold emails. There's very few people that can actually execute them. And pretty much if I if I get a cold email, I just mark it as spam and block it. Um, nine times out of 10, it's because the, the person hasn't even remotely bothered to change their copy and paste text that they've used for everybody. And it's kind of like the information they have on me is completely inaccurate. So I'm like, oh, okay, Ben. Um, it's a, it's just, it's such a time suck. And we have so very little time in our days. It's something that is, you know, we can't get more off. We can't get less off. It's set. It's finite. Um, but once it's used, it's gone. So I'm not going to waste it on that time. So yeah, I'm not going to talk for 10 minutes on that one. That's an easy one. Cool. <laughs> out away they go. Uh, and you know, it's not hard to do email marketing, right? It is, but it isn't. That's a very Irish way of saying things. Um, but we can do better. And cold, horrible, spammy marketing emails are are not good email marketing. All right. All right. Well, Sorry, I'm very opinionated but, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, there are a lot of people are. It's, you know, it, it's interesting because it's, it's a part of business for sure yeah. and growing yeah. business. But like you said, like, okay, for everyone listening, Use very targeted lists, extremely targeted lists, and write relevant content for that very tiny list. And that's one of the best ones um, that I got. um, And it was unbelievable because the fact that I got it actually got me to use their tools and services. Louis Nichols, um, CEO of, uh, he's one of the uh, co founders of Sparkloop, um, he reached out to me, but he, he piqued my interest. And then I did a quick check and was like, okay, this is completely legitimate. And as you say, when they get it right, I now use Sparkloop services. So, you know, there there you go. (laughs) Um, So what opportunities do you feel most brands are missing out on? So this one is fun because you interviewed before me, Naomi West. Naomi West is one of my heroes uh, in life. Full stop. Never mind email marketing. She is an incredible person. And some of these answers, I had, I had written these answers before she answered. So <laughs> some people may see some overlap. But um, innovation is one of the biggest things. I think brands play it safe. So they try to find the lowest common denominator of what works technology-wise, cross-platform-wise, um, or they're just scared to try something new. So uh, Gmail annotations, you know, they, they've been around for a long time now, but they got a, a really big revamp recently, and Google's pushed out some fantastic information on it and how to use it. Uh, dark mode. I think it was Karen Karen Slater from Litmus done phenomenal stuff on dark mode recently, and all the cool things you can do about it. But Action Rocket, so they're an email marketing company here in the UK, and they are phenomenal. And this is what I love about them because their production newsletter that they send out every week is in beta permanently because they use it for testing and innovation, and they do some incredible things. Uh, so if you're looking for what you're missing out on in terms of interactive dynamic content, what you can do with dark mode, what you can do with a playful, oh, it's it's just glorious. And sometimes it does break <laughs> and you're like, that's fine. Um, the, the other biggest thing for me is connection. So what I mean by that is interaction and feedback, treating your subscribers as not data points. So a lot of companies are missing out on that opportunity. So they're going, all right, this is a data point. This is a sale. This is a lead. But it's it's not it's more than that. There, it's a human connection that you can make. And as we move into an era, and I believe we're already in an era of privacy, but as we really accelerate through an an era of privacy, I think it's incredibly important that we get back that human connection in marketing. You know, treat people with care, treat them with respect, and you know you'll be rewarded. Everybody wants to have an authentic relationship with a brand, not just to feel like a, a number. Uh, do you want to comment that, or do you want me to go on my third thing? I have three things. Yeah, no, that's a great comment. I mean, it just reminded me 
Like I, I just got a new client. So yesterday I'm going through the welcome email. So it's just for oh. everyone to know, like, yeah, welcome email had a coupon code in it that everyone was getting. So that was like, I didn't know it at first. It was like, someone just bought and they get a coupon. It's a little messed up. <laughs> you know, who cares? Bye, bye, bye. You know, like, it doesn't make any sense. So we split it up. Okay, that's the first thing. Then everything, I don't know who did the original setup. It wasn't them. They hired some guy. I don't know who he was, but everything, you know, everything's in all caps. You know, all the, all the headlines, all the buttons, like... Talk to people like people. You know what I mean? Like that's the number one thing I, that's my, you know, my pet peeve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just talk to people, respect people. Don't treat them like idiots. You know what I mean? Like I see, you know, CTAs everywhere, you know, like they had this a nice email, but uh, you know, they have, a, it's an art company sort of. Um, okay. So they have like, well, part of their welcome series is a thing about like, meet the artists, you know, like an artist that are using their products and, you know, it's like featuring different artists and they have a whole bunch of, but instead of like, it was column text, column text, column text, but under every column text was a, was a big fat button. So you had a button at the top for the landing page and then each one, under each, you know, column, you know, two, two columns was another fat button. So I got rid of all those buttons and put a little text link. So in, in the column. So it was a lot cleaner, a lot less giant buttons. Like, but that's all what you're talking about is, yeah, just respecting people and yeah, yeah like ABC. I'm very good. And that thing, I mean, that's um, kind of your natural segue to my third point, I suppose, is that um, no welcome emails really, really, really annoys me. I'm trying really hard not to swear here. For, for people that know me, I, I swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an Irish thing, so I'm trying to keep it suitable for work. Keep us PG-13. Yeah, PG. 100%. So I, I, nearly, I nearly did something very bad there. Uh, uh, if you yeah. want, you know, I could tell my editor, you know, to beat up, you know. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll make it easy for him. So no welcome yeah, emails. And then I can make one of those, I don't know if you ever listened to like this american life or any of those uh podcasts but you know they always say like this is the unble you know this is the bleep version the, unedit, the, bleep, yeah. the unbleep version you know watch it on youtube or yeah <laughs> on linkedin no it's it's the um the no welcome emails really annoy me because welcome emails have the highest engagement rates pretty much of, of any emails you're going to send so why are you not going to utilize that opportunity to to send something like something is better than nothing Often I'll sign, and what shocks me most is it's some of the big brands as well, uh, or not even necessarily big brands, but even big marketers or big technical people that I would follow because I'm a total geek. And I wait, and I wait, I check my spam, and there's, there's nothing there. And I'm like, why? So yeah, frustrates the, right. yeah, frustrates me a lot. Yeah, no, I, I sign up. I want your content. Like, surprise and delight yeah. me. I want to read your welcome series. Yeah. <laughs> Right, welcome really emails are a great chance to explain your email cadence, the, the frequency of them, a little bit about you. Try and get some personalization there off the bat. Ask the ask the subscriber some questions and you know, away you go. But you can't do that if you don't send an email. Right. Right. You cannot. All right. All right. How should companies come up with great ideas for emails? I might talk for ten minutes about this one. <laughs> That's fine. Go for twenty. You know what I mean? Ideation, I you know, like as an email marketer myself, like and me and Omi talked about this. It's not easy. You know, like no. to come up with, you know, the pay every brand has its niche, but to keep pumping out emails that are that have a real reason, that have well, some hard. entertainment value or, or or its value in general to the reader. I'll get the chat GPT joke out of the way now, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Um, no, I'll talk about AI later, but I think um, an easy way to do it, no matter what brand you are, and a lot of this stuff, um, I think it was June, June 22, so almost a year ago, um, Zero Bounce did a great article on this, and um, they featured seven industry email experts. I was one of them. Um, to give these types, these types of ideas and influence for people, and I think so gathering user-generated content is a great way to create an email campaign. So you get feedback from people, you get a product review, service reviews. You just ask them general questions. And that feedback is amazing because it's personal, it's direct, it's first party data. And it gives you a great way to inform your campaign. So you know, you know, if you have that block. And the second thing would be revive so if you have a blog, I mean I'm a web designer, so people are like, oh, you don't do blogs. Yes, you do. Blogs, blogs are really important. Particularly now that everybody's going to start a blog again and use ChatGPT uh, to write it and get that same old content. But anyway, 
you can revive old blog posts, so you can turn those into email newsletters or vice versa, turn email newsletters into blog posts. Um, but email RSS campaigns are great. So you can, whenever you're writing your blog posts, you can, most ESPs will provide an RSS service. So you can create a campaign that will automatically send out, you know, your four monthly blog posts that you did this week and, and off it goes. There's an automation that you can sort of set and forget. Um, write thought pieces is the third one on industry related topics. So mining, I run three at the minute weekly newsletters because I like to punish myself. <laughs> so, but they're quite, so sometimes they're, they're normally when they're divided into specific industries and one of them very much is experiential, but the other two are normally plug in or service or tool reviews. And then they're mixed in with thought pieces. And the thought pieces are normally actually my most engaged because people get an insight into what I actually believe on a, on a topic. And I'm really open about it. So it's like, if you don't agree or you do agree, reply, let me know. And um, I get some really interesting responses. And that's a great thing to do. And again, they can inform you and your further campaigns because you can get that user-generated feedback to go, like, okay, I'm going to do a follow-up on this you know, a few campaigns later um, based on what people have said, that type of thing. Uh, sorry, I, I'm I'm on a roll here. Can I keep going? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Uh, can I stop you for, for a second? Did you say you oh, do yeah, no, of course. Go Did you it. say you do thirty? <laughs> no, three, three weekly. Three, three, three weekly. weekly. Okay, yeah, because I do one weekly, and it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> it takes a yeah, few hours. yeah, it's crazy. Um, I did have four at one point. Um, I had a technical SEO um newsletter, and um, I did it for about a year. And technical SEO, I love. It's really geeky. But the problem is that I'm in a circle of um, people that are far more knowledgeable and far more expert than me. And I'm just like, no, it's not that there's there's plenty of room for everybody, but I'm not bringing value. My newsletter isn't bringing value. And the engagement was good, but it was just like, it could be so much better. Uh, So I've been that one. But uh, yeah, no, just three. I think uh, daily. Uh, I I don't know if it was Naomi West or, or Emily Ryan was talking about this. I mean, um, daily. So if you do thirty, you know, one a month, daily email newsletters. Man, that's my worst nightmare to actually oh, yeah. properly <laughs> and bring value for every day. No, very <laughs> Not very difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the company updates sounds boring, but you know, if you're a B two B business, uh, particularly, you know, and there's maybe new a new division is starting your business, new staff have started, and um, you've added a new service, um, or you maybe you've even changed location uh, is a big one as well, particularly if you're, you know, a brick and mortar store where you're selling goods. It's a great opportunity to inform and educate your audience of these changes that are going on, make them feel part of your brand, part of your company, part of your business. Um, if you're in e-commerce, oh, there's, there's so much you can do in e-commerce that kind of does it for you. I mean, um, when you're looking for ideas, you've got abandoned carts, or checkouts, whatever you want to call it, um, a browse abandonment, uh, review and testimonial emails, um, checking in with survey survey emails to see you know how people are finding the customer experience or the experience in general. Uh, e-commerce is is a gold mine for just opportunities and automation that is just there. Um, and surveys aren't just limited to e-commerce; and you can do it for anybody. And as we move into this deeper area of um, privacy. Surveys are a big thing. I think, um, is it Octane AI is, is brilliant. And uh, the guys over at Octane and, um, I think Val Geisler has just moved on to them as an advisor. So she's a customer, um, advocate experience. Like Val Geisler is amazing. So she was email marketing genius and then went to work for Clavio and still working for Clavio and is just amazing. So the, the fact that she's going to advise an Octane AI on how to take their surveys and customer interaction to the next level is unreal because surveys have just they're they're brilliant that they're just such a good way to gather data and to market from those and then ESPs have lots of technology built into those as well where automatic tagging and sending automatic campaigns out based on answers so you can do very basic surveys or you can take them to a whole other level to make your life easier but also to get targeted personalized accurate content to the right people and then the last one um not quite 10 minutes <laughs> Uh, yeah no this one's interesting because the context for this one is that so northern ireland is really small um there's about i think it's 1.8 1.9 million people that live in northern ireland that's it population of new york city yeah the population of new york city is about 19 million 
So yeah. it's a <laughs> 10 times the population of Northern Ireland live in one city. But anyway, um, because Northern Ireland is so small, um, a lot of the, our surface, it's who you know. So uh, can get you work and can also hurt you uh, as well. But one of the things that's really interesting is, is that um, I believe in cooperation. There's plenty of work for everybody. You don't have to, you know, you, the world is your oyster. We have so many barriers have been broken down. So anybody could be your competitor. Anybody could be your friend, but anybody can inform you. So whether it is your, your competitor list, if you want to get ideas, see what they're doing, why not sign up to their list? It's a great way and it's, it's market research. You know, brands do it all the time. E-commerce brands will sign up to each other's lists. It's just, it's so funny seeing it. Now, it's not cool whenever you take people's content and you um, paste it and use it word for word and claim it as your own. That I'm not saying that at all. That happened very recently to a MailChimp partner friend of mine and that was not cool. It's to sign up and to learn, to educate yourself, to make yourself better, not to steal. So I'll, I'll underline that straight away. That's not cool. All right. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's all been great, really. Attention, e-commerce store owners. Are you tired of losing sales due to an ineffective abandoned cart email strategy? Abandoned cart expert can help. Our proven optimization strategies are guaranteed to help you recover more lost sales and boost your bottom line. Plus, with our no-pay guarantee, there's no risk. Don't let your lousy abandoned cart emails cost you more sales. Head to AbandonedCartExpert.com now to learn more and start turning more abandoned carts into purchases. Okay, I mean, we, you know, it, we're kind of almost, it almost feels like a repeat of the previous question, but yeah, it's it's a struggle for a lot of brands to just keep delivering, the, uh, you know, giving people a reason to open. So if you feel like this is a repeat of the previous answer, you could skip it. But oh no, I'm going to answer it slightly differently. Okay. All right. So yeah, the question officially is how can companies make their emails more engaging to keep people opening their emails? Well, I think uh, I mentioned Action Rocket before uh, in one of the previous answers and their innovations and, and what they do and they keep it fun. Really good emails is hilarious. I mean, they're informative <laughs> and brilliant and they and their job is to inspire, but their copywriters are just so damn funny. I mean, they're brilliant. And this is what sort of leads on. So like um, Emily Ryan, uh, she's a MailChimp partner. She's very well known within the email community. Asked a question on Twitter a couple of weeks back um, that sometimes that it's, it's not the subject lines that get you to open an email. It's the expectation of the content within the email because you're used to the brand, used to their message. So regardless of what their subject line is, I'm going to open that email anyway. And being the innovators that Action Rocket are, they took that a step further and then asked the question themselves in a in a Twitter poll. Is it the from address? Is it the subject line? Or is it the content expectations that gets you to open an email? And there was 63.6% um, said it was the content expectations that got them to, to open it. So I think, as you say, to an extent, it is repeating some of the previous answers where you need to innovate and you need to listen to people uh, within your list and to say they're not just subscribers they are people chat with them make the time I mean maybe in, have one-to-one -one conversations with specific subscribers maybe your most engaged subscribers and say look why do you like this so much and then go to the other end of the spectrum and say to the non-subscribe you know pretty much not engaged at all why do you hate me and <laughs> 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 make it better you know that kind of way but I think it's very easy for us and you said it yourself before Whenever you're lacking ideas, it's boring. You get stuck in a rut, and it's just you just sometimes need to change things up and be afraid to make mistakes. You know, if you make the same mistakes over and over, that's just that's just silly. But if you make mistakes and you learn from them, or uh, you make mistakes as I've done in the past and they accidentally work, uh, it's brilliant. I mean, I think um, I accidentally sent um, an email for an e-commerce client to completely the wrong segment. I'm not going to tell you what I did or, or why, but it shouldn't have gone to that segment. But we got sales from it. <laughs> We're meant to, but it was the voice and the tone and the message was for a completely yeah. different segment. But it hit off with this segment and we're like, all right, okay. So we we need to tap into that. And that's that's the that's the thing. We need to sometimes listen to our inner voice and, and be experimental, but also listen to that outer voice, our, our subscribers, our people, our followers, our community. 
and let that inform our content because we want to get it to the point where like Emily and Action Rocket had said, it doesn't matter about the subject line. It doesn't matter about the from name. It's just the fact that an, an Action Rocket email has just dropped in my inbox. I'm going to open that because there are there's certain brands I will op- open straight away, certain companies and others I'll, I'll look at a few days later. Um, but just if I know it's going to bring me, so really good emails, as I said earlier on, it's going to bring me joy. And I'm going to laugh and I'm going to smile. So I'm opening that bad boy straight away. And it's informative as well. I think the most engaging content is on brand and on voice for you know whatever company is sending it. But it's also a bit lighthearted. There's so much crap has been going on in the world the last couple of years uh, for everyone. I think you know we need a little bit of humor in our day. And um, that that's what sort of if it could be one single tip across all industries, be humorous, lighten up. For sure, for sure. I mean, we talked about that. I talked that a little bit with Naomi or Naomi. <laughs> yeah, that like, you know, have fun. Like, get, you know, just experiment. You know, it's a fun space email, and you can try things. You know, and it's interesting. You know, like I used. There's a few things I've used recently, but like I, for, I have two similar brands, basically one in Israel, one in, in New York. And the last days of the thing, it's like, okay, procrastinators, your time has come. <laughs> it's, and the guy in New York, he was like, please don't call them procrastinators. But it did great. You know what I mean? Like it had a heart in there. You know, like we're not, you know, we're not insulting them. I don't see it as insulting. It's like we're engaging them and surprising them. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I, I haven't bought yet and I, I need to buy. Like the person who's procrastinating wants to buy. Like the person who doesn't want to buy didn't think of himself as a procrastinator. He just thought of them as someone not interested in buying. The only person yeah, who would be... Right, right, for sure. Yeah, and that's just being playful. It's just like, let's see what happens. You know, let's try something, you know? And I feel like brands need to do that. One of my big pain points, honestly, from all these years of inboxing is that I almost had... Um, like the lead copy person from Chubby's Shorts, okay. um, who does a fantastic job. Like their emails are hilarious. They're having so much fun. They're yeah. just—it's it, a ball. Like they're just being crazy. Um, so it, you know, but they got bought out apparently like the, the summer before. Okay. You know, like so they then yeah, like they, I guess the people that bought them didn't want them being on a podcast talking about how they do their thing. But yeah, it was a shame. <laughs> but because I'd love to hear that kind of have that conversation, like yeah. you know, how do you make it that every email is just like a joy to read? And that, and it's exactly what you said. Like I don't care what the subject line is. It's more just like, oh, is the subject line gonna make me laugh, or like the copy, or what they're doing, you know? And everybody wants to smile. And I think that you know, Chubby's it's one. I mean, like I, I also love Will and the Gang, except that they send from a do not reply at Will uh. and the Gang. <laughs> I hate that, but their emails yeah. are hilarious. I mean, like they're wolves. They come up with ridiculous <laughs> names for them, and like every little thing just puts a little smile on your face. It just makes it like a fun, a fun experience to open those emails. Yeah, no, they are. They're very good. I think um, a brilliant one as well for if you're talking about you know how brands can be more engaging and content ideas. It's a cereal company um, over in the UK called Surreal. And they are incredible. They are so funny because I think they have like, I think they have five or six SKUs. I'm like, that's it. But their emails are glorious. I mean, they, um, I won't repeat it on this one, uh, but they said that a brilliant one on pancake, on, you know, um, pancake day over here in the UK, a shrove Tuesday. And it was amazing telling basically pancakes where to go <laughs> and <laughs> to ignore pancakes. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely, and they're, they're so funny. I don't know, like, I would love to be in their content creation room <laughs> and see what madness goes on. Cause it's like, w- we have five, six flavors of cereal. How do we keep promoting this? They do it so well. And it's through humor every single time. It's brilliant. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. You know, uh, um, very good. I love hearing about, you know, brands that are being hilarious. All right. So what, you know, automation is huge in email. You know, I recently wrote in a proposal, actually, that, you know, in email, automation is the bread, campaigns are butter. (laughs) But yeah, so which automations or which email series do you feel are the most impactful? I think um, it it kind of, you know, it depends on the industry. So you've got cross-industry, which is welcome emails, um, which mentioned before, you know, you can do one email 
or you can do a series. Uh, you can go overkill with a series of welcome emails where you bore the customer or subscriber or person, however you'd like to describe them. Um, but we want to call them a person, you know, to death. And then they've just signed up and then they're gone. So you, you can very easily send too many welcome emails. You got to find the balance just right. I think, um, normally a, a series, unless it's an, an educational series, you know, two or three welcome emails spaced out. I send one. Um, my welcome email needs updated. So it's horrendous. <laughs> I'm the biggest hypocrite out there. It's so funny. But normally, um, it's nice to have a little series of one or two. Um, I would do for most clients. I think two is pretty much my average. Um, abandoned carts is another big one, particularly because just in my industry and I'm my niche is sort of e-commerce. That's the one I would work with the most. And what I find, it obviously depends on the customer base that the client's using or, and what e-commerce platform that they're using. But generally what seems to, to work for, for my clients would be a series of three abandoned cart emails and they're spaced out. Um, and they're, it's interesting. I, I see a lot of people will send abandoned cart emails within an hour, sometimes, you know, within 10 hours. My first email doesn't go out for 24 hours. Wow. And it is, it's the most engaged abandoned cart, uh, email in the series. It still converts after that, but even the the two and the three, which go out a um, couple of days after, respectively, they engage too, which is really, really nice. Product review emails are another big one um, where, you know, a, a customer purchases a product, they're asked to review it, but it's also a chance, if it's done well, to upsell and recommend another personalized product within there. So you're getting that user-generated contact and, and, and content and feedback but you're also potentially increasing the average order value and, get, and getting them to purchase again. RSS is another big one, uh, as I mentioned to you before. So if you have a blog, you can create those RSS campaigns and that's automated to go out. I have used other ones before, but I'm a MailChimp partner. So and just to explain how theirs works is that um, once you've set it up, you can set a, a frequency of how often the newsletter goes out. Now, I believe it's not available in their new editor. It only works with the classic editor and the classic automations. But the um, say, for example, you write, it goes out once a month and you write four blog posts a month, six blog posts a month, that's how many goes out. But if you write none, the email doesn't go out. It's, it's very smart that way. And nice, so it doesn't just send out a blank email. But they're a great way for you to send out and content. And the other then would be a series that's got... So this is more... What I think is more impactful in terms of, well, actually, before I add my next point, do you want to say anything there? Sorry, I said a lot. Oh, you know, you did say a lot. No, nah, I mean, it was interesting to me, like, here you talk about, you know, 24 hour delay for the first, you know, yeah. Bentley Cart email. Um, recently, I did some Bentley Cart work for a furniture brand. And I just, all I did was really, I, I made it personal. You know what I mean? It wasn't just about, you know, you left something in your cart. It was like about the couch or it was about the bed or about the yeah. table. Right, like, and that made a huge difference. Like, just small, you know. Can't say it took a little bit of work. It was a little bit of, you know, quite a bit of work. But it, you know, the results are there. You know, yeah. I mean, it's huge. Um, yeah. So, yeah, getting, getting personal is always a great thing yeah. to do. A hundred percent. I think that's the thing. I mean, any series can be impactful with proper design, testing, implementation, and, and iteration. So, it's. You can like educational series, you know, if you want, or you can just do a random series, you know, on a particular topic if you if you want to. But I think the problem is is that ESPs, you know, they call them so many things with automations, flows, like it just depends on the language. And they offer different ways to do it as well with linear flows or branches and all those types of things. But and that's where your your design and your testing comes in. But yeah, that's kind of my two cents. All right. Okay. All right. So what was you know, every email marketer has had their scariest moments, or <laughs> you don't want to call it, or it's every send. Um, but what was your biggest email challenge, and then how did you handle it? Yeah, so this is a recent one. Um, I won't mention the ESP, but for some strange reason, their their connection with Shopify will integrate and pull in all the customer information in terms of the data. So shipping addresses, billing addresses, which is really handy uh, for this particular campaign because this. ESP, their connection with WooCommerce doesn't do that. Um, currently, it, it won't pull in. Um, you can do other ways to pull in the data, but it won't pull in the shipping and um, contact address data as we like it to. 
So that became a problem for this client because basically, obviously, during the coronavirus pandemic, um, economies everywhere got hit. And our local economy and um, within the UK came up with this idea of a £200 uh, voucher scheme, uh, which would um, go out to people and then they could use it to try and stimulate the economy. So they would have to use these vouchers offline. They couldn't use it online. It was to regenerate the high street and try and get people to it. So this particular e-commerce customer also has a brick and mortar store. So we could use those vouchers for there. The only problem was, is that this ESP had none of the data for their addresses for us to send it to. So we couldn't just blast the entire email list and go, hey, everyone. And it wasn't time worth our time to try and go through these thousands of subscribers and try and figure out manually who had this. So we actually used another reporting tool, which does email marketing as well. And it's called Matoric. Absolutely incredible. It's an e-commerce reporting tool and sort of um well now email marketing tool as well for WooCommerce and Shopify. But what we were able to do with this, and it was awesome, was we were able to export and filter all customers within Northern Ireland in that data and then import it into our ESP, cross-match everything, and then we had our segment created. So it was instead of sitting down there for hours doing everything, trying to, to figure out who was possibly in here and have some inaccuracies with using two different tools and a bit of uh, cross-referencing, we were able to get there within about 20 minutes. And it was amazing because out of that, then we were able to get sales that we hoped we were going to get from it. So yeah, it was tricky. And that that's the thing. ESPs do things in different ways. That's the joys of working with them. Sometimes you sit there and go, this is glorious. And other times you go, why can't you do something so basic? <laughs> um, and that's why it's important to have, and I think, you know, we might talk about this later on, a variety of tools in your tool toolbox because you're going to face challenges. And as you said at the start of the, the question, you're going to make mistakes like I did sending emails <laughs> to the wrong people. And sometimes it works like it did in my case um, earlier on. And other times it's like, right, you have to apologize, hold your hands up and make it right. Um, but sometimes it's just, basic difficulties like this and you have to use different tools to to find out what's going on right right right, for sure cool all right so what do you feel are like the top five mistakes that companies make when it comes to email so in no particular order um not implementing demark really really or you know if you're american or canadian demark but i'm not so demark um <laughs> it really cracks me up so spf and, and dkm are to, so with the three authentication methods for stopping spoofing and spamming and phishing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but most people don't implement DeMarc still or they don't implement it properly. Um, poor subject lines is obviously a big one. Poor segmentation, so just, or no segmentation at all. They, um, I won't name the <laughs> the company over here, but I'm a member of a, a business network over here in the UK. They're the biggest. Uh, anybody listening, they'll know who they are because they their segmentation is terrible. They basically then it's the UK is divided into different regions and we do have regional emails, but the majority of their content just goes out to everyone and it's completely irrelevant. And we get daily emails and it's so frustrating because pretty much the main emails I just bin straight away because also their, your ability to, and this will lead me on to my next one in that your ability to update your preferences or unsubscribe from specific emails doesn't work. If you unsubscribe, you unsubscribe from everything. And I'm like, no, I don't want to unsubscribe from everything. I just want to unsubscribe from this useless pieces of information. But that that sort of leads me on to my next point. And it's my biggest issue. Oh, and it's illegal. No unsubscribe button. We're hiding it and making it very hard to find. Um, if I sign up to a brand or somebody cold emails, or even worse, I see somebody has cold emailed me and they put me on a list and it says, you know, unsubscribe. I'm like, well, I never signed up to this, which is illegal here in the UK. So I'm just blocking spam you straight away. But if I do sign up legitimately to a brand, a product or a service, and I get an email from them and there is no unsubscribe link, my first port of call is to sort of uh, give them a chance. I'll contact them and say, look, there's no unsubscribe link here. And if I don't get a response, then I'm gone. If I do get a response, I'm like, oh, we'll look into that. And maybe the next email, next two or three emails still don't have it, I'm gone because it's just shitty. It's not cool. And it's not respecting people. And then the last one, uh, I think that's five. Yeah, that's four. So last one, um, all image inaccessible emails. Um, all image emails crack me up. I know why people do it. It's because Outlook. 
<laughs> I looks hell. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that, and I think, I mean, there's another reason also. It's not just yeah. Outlook, but it's... People can't just design, like, graphic designers do them, and like, oh, we can't create that beautiful, stunning layout in, in HTML for email, so we're just going to stick it in. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just quick. It's just quick turnaround. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, uh, yeah. Some I mean, I, think, I, there, I, I was shocked when I, you know, when I got a furniture brand that I'm working with, I signed up to a bunch of other ones, and I was shocked when I saw, like, a two-column layout. Text, image. Text, image. All image. Like the easiest thing. Yeah. It's it is frustrating and and especially if they don't use alt tags or you have those images blocked mm -hmm. as you know, as we were saying earlier on, the email's just not gonna load. If there's no alt tags there, you're also not gonna see what that image is meant to be about. And that and like that is so all image and inaccessible emails really cracks me up full stop because I say this because I'm a hypocrite as well. I'm not perfect at accessibility. I'm trying to get better, but I'm a hypocrite. And um, it's the thing that cracks me up the most because I have this unbelievable privilege of I um, I don't have any disabilities at all that impact me engaging 100% with content. And that is a privilege. And it's one that I take for, for granted. And it's not cool. And um, I try my best, but there's some brands that don't care at all and make the most inaccessible, unthoughtful emails out there. Don't do it. Stop. But think of other people apart from yourself. Step out of your privilege. Says the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think you step. You, you're touching on this before that. I think in general, as an email marketer, you know, there's a lot of tools, and sometimes you have to be innovative and find the tool that you'll need in order to get what you want to get done. Yeah. But yeah, so what are your favorite email marketing tools? I've, I've mentioned Matoric um, before. They're, they're fantastic. They do standard um, email marketing broadcast tools and um, abandoned carts. How, how, do you, how do you spell that? Just so people... Oh, um, they're an Australian company. So um, Matoric, it's... Oh, good luck with my Northern Irish accent. Um, <laughs> M for Mike. M-E-T-O-R-I-K. Um, they're really cool. They're brilliant. I've been around since... I've been using them, I think, since the start. Um, and how they've evolved. They're phenomenal. Parcel. Yeah, Parcel. Parcel is just, uh, it's the bomb. I love it. Um, what Avi Goldman has done there and Naomi's now been doing um, is just, it's just unreal. It's a phenomenal tool for building emails for accessibility. Check. Oh, it, it's limitless and Avi just keeps adding stuff. So there's free tools and there's there's paid tools. Let's just go and check That's out fantastic. Parcel. Absolutely Parcel's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, email resources. So it's a website. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's email resource. Um, dot. Oh, that's also Avi. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few people <laughs> that create that and it's just unbelievable. Do I have a problem with email? I go to email resources and there's normally a tool or resource there that will solve my problem. It's, it's phenomenal. Stephanie Griffiths, uh, another email marketing hero of mine and DTC Queen, as she's known on um, Twitter, she created Email Preview, um, which is awesome. It's a great way of putting your emails in and turning them into images. Um, Copy AI, um, which was, has been around since before ChatGPT. I, I, I use it a lot for inspiration. So we talked about earlier on whenever you're stuck for ideas. Sometimes if I'm stuck for a basic intro or um, subject lines and preview text, I'll use it to inspire me. Um, I'm yet to a hundred percent use something that's completely generated, but you know, there's some stuff that I've taken like, oh, that's really good, and I'll change a couple of words here or there, because it's it's brilliant, it's ideation, and it, it's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, there's so many more, uh, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's limitless. I mean, like, I think I wasn't sure if I understood you before, but it reminded me of something that probably happened in like 2014, where we. We use some tool, we use something, some kind of tool, which we're able to like put a, upload our list and plot them on a map. And then like, oh, cool. say we want the people around this address. I think that was what we were able to do. Naomi West also has a, a, a great tool. Um, it's a Chrome extension, which I can't remember the name of it because I, I have it just in, in fact, do I have it installed? I wonder. I do. Um, it's called email characters. It's absolutely amazing. So um, it'll, tell you your subject line and um, character count when it gets cut off and you just get the ellipsis and it also works for pre-headers it's a free tool as well i think she has it linked on her personal website so yeah email characters is another great one awesome okay well, we touched on this before a little bit but if you want to add any others um yeah what brands do you like to read in your inbox yeah it's funny because um, obviously i've 
got a little look at these questions before and then I was like, I don't <laughs> The brands for business and then I've listened to myself back in this conversation um, about what brands I do so it's more it's not necessarily brands for me in terms of brands that my business buy from because when my services are or tools that I use for for my job it's mostly just transactional emails that come through in the odd and um, marketing one but I think it's more people that I follow uh, my online mentors or those that inspire me and I think you know really good emails is one um, as I said, Naomi West and Emily Ryan have phenomenal. And um, Megan, I'm gonna absolutely butcher her name, and I really apologize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, she is amazing. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Action Rocket is another brilliant one. Uh, actually, a really good one that I have an emotional roller coaster with, but is really good is Magnet Monster. They're based in UK in Liverpool. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's they're really good. Yeah, Adam. Um, yeah. So they're they're class, and um, gosh, there, there's loads of oh, um, the be- one of the best ones is Dan Oshinsky's not a newsletter, which is actually basically the most basic newsletter to a Google Doc because it's not a newsletter, but it is a newsletter. It's fun. I, <laughs> I love it. It's it's amazing and uh, the stuff that he does. But I'm terrible. So I think whenever I was thinking about this question, so I like emails, but I often feel overwhelmed. And um, by email, and like I, I really do. We, we, we get it inundated so much. So a lot of the time, there'll be brands that I'm subscribed to, but I'm not actually subscribed. I will follow their RSS feed. So I have a, a tool called Publer. It's Publer.io, where I'll pull all the RSS feeds of their email archives in there, and then I'll read them at my leisure. So I'm really sorry to lots of brands out there who I won't mention, but I do follow you, but just not from your emails, because it's a, it's a better way that I can consume their content without feeling um, overwhelmed. All right. Yeah, so what, you know, what work that you've done, either campaign or, or automation, are you very proud of or your favorite in some way? Yeah, well, I've hinted at one, or said in our something accidental email for that e-commerce client where I could send completely the wrong email to the wrong segment and it blew up. I was like, okay, but it was brilliant because I, I, you know, I said to the the client straight away. She was like, "What happened?" Because uh, she saw these sales coming through. I was like, "Yeah, I made a really big mistake, and I'm really sorry." And she was like, "Don't ever apologize for that again." <laughs> I was like, no, 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 "We can't do that again." But um, yeah, it was that was a fun one. Uh, another great one. This is this is brilliant. Is loyalty points and expiration birthday emails? They are really popular and they're lots of fun. Um, the reason why I love them is so is that um, they're great campaigns to design. And you know, have graphically and, and have some fun with them, and also to personalize. But um, the loyalty points expiration, this is a fun one. So it's an automation I have set up for quite a lot of clients, where we'll let people know a month before their points expire. Um, if they if they do expire, it just depends what loyalty system you use and what your terms and conditions are. But not only does it help encourage a sale, but what this one did was we had a, a client of mine had a customer who was quite angry that um, their loyalty points had expired. But we were able to confirm with some deliverability stuff that they had received the email twice. <laughs> that their points <laughs> were expiring. So it's a great safety net as well. But we're really good because we, we gave them their points back anyway and said, you know, go ahead. Go, make a, go make a purchase, but, go. <laughs> yeah, but but just know that, you know, it's in the terms and conditions. You got 11 months on this. And uh, we also send out email reminders about it. And obviously we know that if an email is marked as delivered, it doesn't necessarily mean it's landed in their inbox. It could have ended up in their spam. But whenever they click on links and things, and that's whenever you know tracking is really handy, it's like, we know you got the email. So, <laughs> you know, and then I think one of the, the best emails for me, and this is really strange. So I think maybe you've got this from this and we've chatted ourselves before. I'm a really open, honest, personable guy. And I think um, those emails are certainly what works best for me they work best whenever i'm doing stuff with brands so um but sometimes my weekly emails stuff happens i'm a working dad and like the last couple of weeks have been really interesting with our kids and chicken pox and um <laughs> so one getting it and being spaced out just getting over it and then the other one getting it and it just made a couple of my weekly emails really hard to get out and i sent an apology out to people and said look i'm not I'm not sending it out properly this week. Here's some link to some news. Here's a short topic about what I was going to talk about. We'll talk about it next week. And the engagement rates are just great because they're kind of like, oh, wow, this guy's human. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> happen on its own. It's not Chad, Chad GPT. It really yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Um, so I, I think that's a good segue actually to our next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into that one. All right, Yanis, obviously the world is changing really fast. Um, yeah. And around AI and people first think ChatGPT, but I think it's probably going to take us into every aspect of our life, honestly. We'll probably have some influence from the way AI is becoming yeah. much more intelligent. You know, you can have a best friend who's not really a robot, you know, and that's really what's going on. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, think that's going to impact the email marketing and marketing and the world at large. Yeah, I think... Um, it's still really early days. Obviously, you know, Chat GPT came out of nowhere in November. OpenAI, OpenAI, who runs it, has had other AI services uh, running around, you know, before that. But because of the explosion of that, it, you know, prompted Google into this horrific reactionary response of dropping their AI um, barred, and it's just, you know, it's horrendous and not fair on business. There's no citation, nothing, and obviously. Bing was ready for it and they were integrating ChatGPT and working the citations. Now, it's not, they've had some harsh shows already so far, but it's dramatically better than what Google's is. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, AI is still, I like it's, it's amazing, but we're still phenomenally early days. And we have all these issues of citation, accreditation, copyright, ownership that, you know, we've already had people getting sued over it and some big companies as well. Like, Getty images and Adobe stock and everything. And then all of a sudden, though, they're seeing these opportunities. They're kind of like, Oh, well, hold on two seconds. What about, you know, if we create our own AI within this? So I think AI at the moment is raising more questions as providing answers. I think we're going to get a lot of content initially that is obviously some that's completely wrong and people don't know it because they're just taking this as God and, you know, the, the correct answer and defined this is this is truth when it's not. Um, but I think that AI is creating a lot of opportunities, which is really cool. It's a lot of businesses are springing up powered by chat GPT and other services. So it's providing jobs and it's providing innovation as well. I just think that, you know, we're nowhere near Terminator levels yet or Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> or anything like that. Um, I know Google's about to hit the next stage of quantum computing, which is terrifying. You know, if we, combine that quantum computing with say i'm a total geek nerd with ai then it starts to get phenomenally terrifying but at the same time i think yes it's going to change the world but for the good for the better for the worse somewhere in between not yeah. sure yet i like to be positive and hope that it's not for the worse and um, i'm like the way i'm using it today it saves me time it inspires me do i do i take it as truth no but i use it as a source and i think it's great but it's not perfect. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like you said, it could save you a lot of time. Like I recently needed to do some kind of Excel work, like many marketers. <laughs> um, like and it, yeah. I wasn't sure how to do something. And I just asked ChatGPT and they oh, just yeah. told me what to do. And and if I had to like read the documentation, like it would have taken me a long time to figure it out. If we were watching a YouTube video, it still wouldn't take me a long time. With this, it took me like two minutes, you know, like two minutes yep. and said, like, so, do this, then run this, and then bang, bang, bang. And I had the data how I wanted it. And that was amazing. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. All right. We've actually reached the finale. Um, oh, unless we could off, we could, we could segue maybe a little bit before we jump to the end. I, just, okay. I wanted to ask you a, qu <laughs> I had a few questions to ask you, actually. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm curious to know product reviews with WooCommerce. And this is very specific. And I hope yeah. our listeners appreciate this question. Okay. But yeah, do you use a tool to get product reviews? And does that yeah. need to go to your ESP or is it sending on its, you know, through its own, you know? So as... WooCommerce built-in default product reviews are terrible. Uh, and there's lots of different right. plugins and add-ons that you can get to utilize it. And it's important to get proper reviews and and give abilities to have spam control and, and version control and also to provide almost like um, gamification so upvoting and showing the most relevant reviews and sorting options so there's a, a plugin i use called yes it's uh yes advanced Review. oh i love yes i'm using yeah. yes rewards and you know loyalty yeah. points and rewards yeah yeah they're brilliant and so we use yes advanced reviews and then also uh, it's Google. It's a. It's not the free one from Google Site Kit. It's. I think it's um, uh, just Google Merchant Center feed or something. I can't remember the name of it. It's um, 
one of the merchant center feeds that I would use for most of my e-commerce clients, they have a built-in section for defining a, an additional feed for reviews because Google uses a separate reviews feed now in Merchant Center to surface your reviews in search results and shopping results. So it's important to have that system set up as well to go along with the enhanced review system so that you get the correct metadata and content going out. So that handles the the user feedback, the good user experience, and also the SEO and the technical side and the search and that kind of way. And then because the store, we have it connected to Motoric, it then pulls in with the product purchases and it sends out the product review emails. And it's superb, absolutely brilliant for doing that. So yeah, we've got three tools, Motoric for the actual product review emails, WooCommerce essentially to the connection in to get you know, the product and then the yes advanced reviews to make the correct reviews. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Great, great answer. All right. So now we can just jump to the end. No worries. All right. Yeah. So final thoughts. Um, yeah, I always say that Yanatori went on for 45 minutes. So that's the bar. That's the high <laughs> bar. But you know, some people was like, I had a great time. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Make it what you want. No, my mine might be uh closer to the 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 second one purely because I have another yeah. uh, school run to do. But no, the I think you know, it's a really exciting time for email. And because we have, you know, we're entering this era of privacy, where we're sunsetting universal analytics in in July this year, June, July, and moving over to Google Analytics 4, which I think is a dumpster fire. Anyway, I don't really like Google Analytics. And I think it's using a mixture of AI, machine learning, informed data, um, trying to fill the gaps, because basically Google Analytics 4 in theory, I, I believe it is in practice as well, is more, it's not privacy friendly, but it's more privacy friendly than universal analytics. So it does have to fill data in, in, in different ways. Um, and with most of the major browsers, with the exception of Google, because they keep delaying it, have already removed or, or automatically blocking third party tracking cookies. Once Chrome hits that, it was already meant to have happened. I think it's believed it's not happening now to 2024. Uh, until they can come up with another way to track people that's more privacy compliant, which is essentially what Google's just doing, you know. And then we had iOS 14 with ads coming after um, that way, and then iOS 15, which was email marketing and tracking, is going to be really interesting because there's a recent ruling against Meta uh, within the EU and the Irish um, Data Protection Agency were basically telling them that you know you cannot use personalization to target people, which is kind of their entire, you know, business model. And they're obviously they're fighting that, which they're going to. Um, and they've already implemented some temporary changes. Uh, and depending on your privacy settings, you'll see them. And uh, sometimes, you know, you won't. So I can't use Facebook Messenger, actually, at the moment. And um, not that I really use it that much, but I can't use it because of my privacy settings, because they serve ads in it. So because of my privacy settings, I can't use it because they've temporarily blocked the ads. So instead of stopping the ads, they've just blocked my access to the app. And they basically say that in the app as well. That's like uh, the middle finger to privacy. We're like, well, you don't care. We're just telling you that you're not getting it because of you know your privacy settings because you live in the EU. You're like, okay. But I think with all that combined, we're moving to an era where the world's worst kept secret or Apple is going to start its own ad network. And it'll be internal. So ad networks... Ads aren't going to go away, but I think they're going to be isolated to a certain extent to platforms. So, you know, you won't see Meta potentially, and I could be wrong with this. Obviously, this is just a prediction. Uh, my thoughts, you know, you won't see their tracking anymore, potentially outside of their own platforms. So you'll only have tracking within their product set. Same, you know, with, with Apple, they'll only track you within their product set. They're not going to track you on websites because like, I, th- I think most people know this now that you know Facebook is everywhere. They're on they're they're on every website. Their tracking pixels are it's terrifying. Um, TikTok's obviously dramatically worse. Um, but those those platforms are going to have internal ad platforms that don't go outside of their platforms. I think that will probably be the the biggest change. Um, and I think we're probably going to see a lot more services that were free becoming paid because you know a free product you give up your privacy pretty much these days or you have done for a long time so products that we previously enjoyed if it's like do you want your privacy fine you need to pay for it so right. i think that'll be 
one of the, I think it's going to be a really interesting. What well, were we now? January? No. Oh my goodness, we're in March. We're in March. <laughs> lost, we're in, we're, welcome to March. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I lost two months. Wow. I think um, <laughs> we're in for a really interesting ride the next twelve to eighteen months as marketers, and um, we have a responsibility to obviously help our clients generate revenue, but also to respect people's privacy, respect people, treat them as humans, stuff that we've talked about repeatedly uh, in this. And as you said before, um, I would like to thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute (laughs) pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. I've loved looking at this background with envy. Great. Do you know what? I need this room. Um, But yeah, (laughs) thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure. You're a great guest. Like really, I enjoyed myself thoroughly and I'd love yeah, to chat with you about a lot of topics. Um outside email. Uh even yeah. you know, but even yeah. email stuff's been really fantastic. And thank you for coming on. Thank and that'll you. wrap up our show. I'll see you in a minute. Um that's our show for today. Thank you, Simon Harper. And that's not Stephen Harper who just came to mind, the former uh Prime Minister of Canada. No, Simon Harper from Northern Ireland, right here at Inboxing. We'll be back. I'm not sure even who our next guest is, but we'll be back. And as always, we're still looking for a sponsor. So if you've seen this and you have a product that you want to sell or you want to get your brand out there, great opportunity with inboxing. Uh, Get in touch. That's all for today's episode of Inboxing. Um, Big thank you to our guest. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any feedback or suggestions, please just reach out to me at hello at hellobird.com. Um, before we go, I want to remind you there's still sponsorship opportunities available for unboxing. Uh, so if you're interested, you could just reach out to me again. And thank you to our current sponsor, which is Bentley Card Expert. Uh, without their support, this wouldn't be happening. So if you're an e-commerce brand looking forward to recover more lost sales, uh, be sure to check them out at BentleyCardExpert.com. Thank you for listening and tune in next week. Every Monday, the next episode of Inboxing.